Colossians chapter 3 this morning, and we're in a series today called Invent the Future. You know, your future is staring you down if you will just reach out and take it. And, you know, every day people make plans for their future. And if you want to see the future that God has for you come to pass, you're going to have to engage. Like you're going to have to reach out and believe God and start acting according to what he says. Now, I want to read here an interesting passage of scripture from Colossians 3, and I'm starting in verse 22, and I want to read down through chapter 4 in verse 1. I want to set the scene for you. Here's what the scripture says. Bond servants, obey in all things your masters according to the flesh, not with eye service, but as men pleasers, but in sincerity of heart, fearing God. And whatever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord, not to men knowing that from the Lord, you will receive the reward of your inheritance for you serve the Lord Christ. Give your bond servants what is just and fair, knowing that you also have a master in heaven. Let's pray. Father, this morning, we just thank you for the scriptures. And I'm praying today for hearts that are open and for people to receive the word of God sown in our hearts and souls, and it's going to bear fruit and Father, we just do lift up the situation in the Ukraine. And I have such a burden for those poor people. I'm praying, Lord, for those that can get out to get out. And God, help the ministers and the people that we're so we pray over, Pastor Marin, and uh, also World Compassion, Jason Law, and what he's doing. God, we're asking you to open up doors and make way for people in this time. In the name of Jesus, we pray. And everybody said, amen and amen. You know, some of my most cherished moments and memories uh, are from church. And I'm not talking about like sermons I remember singing songs. I'm talking about moments where I was engaged with people, seasons where I was a servant, and times where I was, you know, committed to doing the work of the Lord. Uh, when I, you know, in my younger years served at churches, I, I often was a church janitor. And three different occasions I interned or worked as a church janitor. And one time I used my capacities, my powers as a church janitor to actually unlock the whole place and have a giant game of capture the flag for the young people. <laughs> And I kind of got in trouble because there were liability issues that we couldn't do that again. Girls were getting knocked over into water fountains. Kids were getting bloody knees from the carpet. So I got in trouble for that one, but it was fun. <laughs> I did enjoy serving God by cleaning churches and I volunteered for it. And a lot of times that's not one that people think about, but one of my favorite things to do is vacuum, sing, put some music on, clean toilets. I had no problems doing that and just wanted to honor God with that. Now I read this verse here in, Proverbs, in Colossians 3 and verse 23. Whatever you do, whatever you do, he said, do it heartily as to the Lord, not to men, knowing that from the Lord, you will receive the reward of your inheritance. Because he tells us that we are serving the Lord Christ. So as I study my Bible, what it tells me is that Christians are called to serve. You are called to to serve God. We are servants. Actually, if you look up the Greek word serve, it's the, it's the word doulios, which actually means slaves. And that's what Jesus said. If you want to be the greatest, you'll be a doulios. You'll be a slave. In the uh, Jewish world, he's citing this idea of a bond servant. We, we opened that with uh, Colossians 3.23. Now, a bond servant was someone who willingly indentured themselves into the service of another person. I know you think that sounds like a foreign 
crazy idea, but actually what it was was an Old Testament social network. It was actually a form of welfare when a person was so in debt, they had no other recourses, they could serve. And people in Bible days would serve for seven years. At the end of seven years, they could be set free. But a bond servant was someone who said, you know, I got it pretty good working for my master. He's taking care of me. I'm getting ahead and I can willingly do that. And the New Testament kind of lays out the idea that we as believers are like bond servants. In the New Testament, in you know, Corinthians chapter 6, he said, uh, you are not your own. You were bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God with your body. So he's telling us, you know, we're to be servants and we are to, you know, humble ourselves before the Lord. And, and I'm just telling you, you know, we, we should take upon ourselves the attitude of a servant and serve God with everything that we have. We serve God, first of all, with the gifts and the talents that he's given to us. And, and hey, listen, that's where enjoyment comes. That's where satisfaction happens. When, when you enjoy what you're doing, when, that's what Jesus said in the parable of the talents. One day you'll be uh, rewarded or judged based upon how faithful you were with the gifts that God gave you for his kingdom. We serve God with, with everything we have, our spirit, soul, and body, our heart, our, 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 our emotions, our, all of our strength, the Bible says. And what that means is sometimes serving God actually takes a little bit of effort. It may not be the easiest thing. There's moments where he might ask you to do something that's stretching you. It's uncomfortable. It's not easy, but it, it's in God's providence to help you grow as a person, to strengthen you, or, or to, to do something to bless somebody else. We, we serve God because we want to keep and obey his commandments. That means that we love him. And there's something about loving God when you just want to give it back to him. Jesus said uh, that if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. And, and there's just something about being grateful and saying, God, I want to serve you because of all that you've done for my life. I want to give it back to you. Now, and I was in uh, Colossians chapter three, and I kind of learned something this week in studying. I was really praying about uh, a passage of scripture to minister from. And what I want to highlight for you are three motivations for ministry. That word ministry just simply means service. So, you are ministers, everybody in the house. We could ordain each and every one of you. God's already called you that you're a minister for the Lord, whether you know it or not, as a servant of God. That's what God has ordained you and called you to. And, you know, this is something about the questions, about the, the very motives of our heart. What is propelling you? What, what is pushing you? What's driving you to want to serve God in the capacity for your life? So I'm starting here uh, in this 23rd verse again. He said, whatever you do, somebody say, whatever you do, you do it wholeheartedly as to the Lord, not to men, knowing that from the Lord, you will receive the reward. Somebody say reward, reward of your inheritance. There is a reward for servants. The very first motive that we can talk about is the motivation of eternal rewards. That's what I'm motivated by. A reward is a full payment. It's it's uh, something that happens as a consequence of worthy or unworthy behavior. And when you've done something for the Lord in a worthy manner, I'm just telling you that there is a sense of satisfaction that comes along with that. It feels so good to be used by God that those, those sensitivities, that, that it's a wonderful thing, very satisfying. Now, I like what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6 when he said that you're Father in heaven is able to reward you. He'll reward you. 
God knows how to take care of his people. He's generous. He's good in the gifts that he gives men. He loves to bless people. And, and he, his reward is with him. Uh, you know, he can reward you in the life that now is, and he can reward you in the life that is to come. And some of his rewards are in the here and the now. One of the ways that he can reward you is simply with his presence in your life. David even prayed this in Psalm 17. He said, let my vindication come from your presence. If you've got the presence of God, you've got everything that you need. It doesn't matter if you're in a state of poverty. If you've got his presence, everything will be taken care of. His presence is his way of providing, of taking care of you, of accompanying you, of, of giving you comfort in situations. When you're down, when you're broken, when you feel hurting, his presence can be there and pick you up. And man, there's nothing more wonderful than the presence of the Lord. I've been in moments, you know, where I'm down and discouraged. And, and all I need to do sometimes is sit by a fireplace, sit place, someplace warm, read my Bible, spend time with God, and his presence will pick me up. It's a reward. But, that God's, God's, uh, his reward can come in the form of his favor. And the thing I've discovered about the favor of God is it's just not fair sometimes. I don't know why God blesses some people in tremendous ways. And it just seems like some people get passed over. And, and probably that's from the little things that they've been doing, the time they've spent with God, the little seeds they've sown. And, and when, when you're faithful in those small things, man, his favor will catch up to you. That, that is his way of taking care of you. That's his way of providing. It's a reward. It's, it's his favor that will follow you. David said it'll surround you like a shield everywhere you go. So we've got, you know, rewards that take your inheritance. But when he said in this passage, the reward of your inheritance, that phrase is speaking about the eternal rewards that you and I have. And God's got some great rewards program for you and me when we step into heaven. And I did a little study about you know, eternal rewards and what it's talking about here. And it's probably a reference to the five crowns that are given to people in, when they step into heaven. Scripture mentions five crowns. It mentions the victor's crown in 1 Corinthians chapter 9. This is a crown that's given out to people who overcome the world, the flesh, and the devil. It's when you have a little bit of self-control and say no to sinful situations that God is going to reward you for that. So next time you're tempted to uh, double up on Thanksgiving dinner and you say no, you'll get a crown in your, or jewel in your crown <laughs> for saying no to things. When you deny yourself, when you don't talk bad about people, when you feel like cussing somebody out, but you don't do it, that's where you get some crowns and some rewards in heaven. Self-control. Yeah. Scripture mentions a crown of rejoicing. That's in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. And the crown of rejoicing is for people who are, uh, who, who are soul winners. P people who love to share their faith. Because, you know, when you talk about the Lord, you get filled with joy. And there's just something edifying and good and wonderful. And man, there's people, that's what they love to do. They love everywhere they go. They're talking about Jesus, sharing their faith. And, and the Bible says there's a reward in heaven for that very thing. That crown is going to be given to people who talk about their faith and share it. Uh, 2 Timothy chapter 4, Paul wrote about the crown of righteousness. And in the context there, this is a crown given out to people who are watching and waiting for the Lord's return. They're like looking for it. And they're, they're, you know, searching for his coming. And, you know, I got a grandpa who's with the Lord right now. 
And I'm telling you, he's got that crown. Because all my life, Grandpa Kenny, he was always looking for the Lord's return. I mean, he was ready at Y2K. And he would be ready right now. <laughs> I mean, he was always studying prophecy and get ready for Jesus to come back. He's coming, Isaiah said, and his reward is with him. There's a, a crown in the book of James called the crown of life. And this crown is sometimes referred to as the martyr's crown. It's a reward for suffering. It's a reward for when you've gone uh, through difficult things, shed your blood, been persecuted. And, and, and that crown is a beautiful thing. The Bible says in the book of Revelation, martyrs have crowns. And the reason I want a crown is because I want to be able to give it back to him. I want to lay it at his feet. And just think about the martyrs in heaven, giving everything they have to the Lord and a special crown is going to be given to them. And the final crown is from 1 Peter chapter 5. It's called the crown of glory. And this is a crown given to people who have been in Christian service for the Lord. So you taught a Sunday school class, uh, you, you, you crown all groups, you teaching, you were uh, you know, leading worship, you're a pastor. Uh, there's a crown that accompanies that, that's given out to people who their lives were given towards Christian service or they did something like that for the Lord. And listen, these are great gifts. These are things money cannot buy you. These are eternal things. The Bible says that, that don't ever have any moths or dust or corrode. They're, they're eternal. They're beautiful. You know what else the Bible says about your reward in heaven? It's in 1 Corinthians 15 when he talked about a glorified resurrected body. And in the King James Version, he calls it a celestial body. And he said that in the same way there are certain glories in the stars and the sun and the moon... He said, your body is going to reflect the glory of God to varying degrees based upon what you've done for him in this life. That is a reward. Hey, that motivates. You can go to the gym all you want. You're not going to get a glorified body. I want a body that's free of bad smells and bad hair days that reflects God's glory in everything that I do. That I can wear with me for eternity. I mean, these are things that are incomprehensible in your mind. They're rewards that God gives to people. Now, I get motivated to serve him because I think about what the eternal rewards are going to be. I'm not caught up in, in, in moments right now. I, I want to think about, man, I want to further God's kingdom and I want to see uh, what heaven will be like. Now, let me give you a little warning because this same chapter or the same book of Colossians in chapter two says that you can lose your reward. He said, I don't want anyone to cheat you from your reward. So you stay faithful and stay committed and you run after God with everything that you have and your reward will not get lost. It'll be with you. You know, radical Christianity is not going from conference to conference or missions trips or radical Christianity is when you stay steady for God decade after decade after decade. That, that, that's the evidence of somebody who really went after it with God. And I don't want my reward to get lost. I want to serve him. The reason that we serve at church, the reason we volunteer on worship teams and kids departments and greeters, and the reason you give is because eternity is at stake for people. And it's such an incomprehensible idea. It could blow your mind. Eternity is real and it's staring us down. And you want to make an impact on people's lives. You want them to be with you in heaven. Amen. Eternal rewards. I serve God because eternity is at stake. Now, here's the second thing I want to highlight. And I'm in this 24th verse again. He, he said that you're going to receive from the Lord the return, the reward of your inheritance. And then he said this, for you serve the Lord Christ. 
You serve the Lord Christ. This is a very interesting phrase that Paul uses. And what it's specifically speaking to us about is a second motivation where I'm motivated by God's sovereignty. Very unusual. When you read the Bible, he's going to mention the Lord Jesus Christ. Here it simply mentions the Lord Christ. And what this is, is emphasis on his lordship. It's a messianic title. And it points us to the fact that he's the supreme Lord. He's the Lord of all, the King of Kings, the Lord of glory. Uh, He is sovereign in situation. That's why in Psalms chapter two, the scripture says he's going to sit in the heavens and laugh at the nations that try to work against him. I like Psalm 136. David said, the Lord does whatever he pleases. He's sovereign in situation. That's why Jesus said, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. I'm telling you, we're serving a sovereign redeemer. He is in control of this world. And if you give your life to it, he's in control of that. He's got everything figured out. Now, sometimes I kind of feel like we can neglect the sovereignty of God. And sometimes I think charismatic, spirit-filled people in the camp that we're in, I think sometimes we're guilty of maybe overemphasizing the authority that God has given to us and perhaps underemphasizing the authority that God has in the affairs of men. And, you know, I see this sometimes because, you know, God gave mankind dominion. I mean, in the Garden of Eden, there's a pattern set up. He, he, he said, name the animals and go and multiply and take dominion. He's given you authority to make decisions. He's given you authority to speak to circumstances. He, you, you carry faith and that bolsters you. But I do want to remind you that God is the one that named Adam. And what that tells us is that while he's given us authority, we have to submit to his authority. And what he's doing is he's looking for someone who will simply cooperate with him. That's where your faith really gets energized. When you know the will of God and you're cooperating with what God wants to do, his sovereignty starts working in situations. His authority, his rulership. Now, his sovereignty, the fact that he's the Lord Christ, that is something that helps me stay calm. Because you know what happens when I realize that he's in control? I don't have to get stressed out, man. I can settle down. Because, you know, I hate to break it to you. Sometimes I'm a bit of a control freak. I like to make plans. I, I like to have things organized. I, I like to, you know, uh, you know, have budgets and have everything work out. And I like to organize things and put them on calendars. But, you know, if you've lived long enough in life, you know, it doesn't always work out like that, does it? And so when I just know that maybe things are, you know, falling apart around me, I know that God is sovereign. He's in control. He's got this. And if he said he'll take care of me, he'll take care of me. I don't have to be in control all the time. I can trust the fact that God is doing it. It calms me down. God's sovereignty shifts my attitude. So instead of or striving and getting angry and upset, if something doesn't happen, instead of feeling like I got gypped or I'm frustrated because someone asked me to do something I don't want to do, I can submit myself to God's sovereignty. And, and it just calms me down. I don't have to have such a fighting attitude. I can just simply say, Lord, I'm going to trust you in this situation. That is his sovereignty at work. He is the Lord Christ. He's got the situation figured out as I walk with him. He'll take care of it. I can walk in peace. Let me also remind you that God is sovereign in the nations. Man, I'm grateful to live in America. You ought to pray for America. You ought to be grateful for it. You ought to use your voice to vocalize freedom. You ought to vote. I'm grateful for America. I'm watching Israel. Israel's the apple of God's eye. 
And it's his centerpiece in the time clock of prophecy. And Israel is where events take place. So I'm watching Israel and I'm praying, like we said today, for nations like the Ukraine. Because, man, prophecy is coming to pass. This whole situation has the potential to bring about Bible prophecy. And that's why people are watching it. That's, that's why people get stirred by it. And, you know, I said this last week that the world is not falling apart. The world is falling. Things are falling into place. Things are not falling apart. They're falling into place. You can see God's hand moving in situations. He who start, began a good work will complete it in you. And he who has prophesied of his return in these last days, he's going to come just like he said. The word of God can't be stopped. It can't be chained. So I serve God with everything in my heart because he's sovereign. I can trust him. I don't have to fight and struggle for control. I can just say, Lord, I'm trusting you. I'm walking with you. Come what may, Jesus will be there with us. He is sovereign in situations. I just thank God. Say, Lord, I'm grateful that you got this situation covered. Now, let me give you a third motivation here, which is found in the next verse, verse 25. He tells us that he who does wrong will be repaid for what he's done. And then he reminds us that with God, there is no partiality. Masters, he's bringing us full circle back to what he said in verse 22. He he said, if you're a master, give your bondservants what is just and fair, knowing that you also have a master in heaven. Now, here's what I learned this week. A third motivation for serving God is because I'm motivated by his justice. He's giving out eternal rewards. He's sovereign. His sovereignty is the reason why he gives out rewards. And his sovereignty is the reason why he is just. He's just in situations. I'm motivated by that. So God, scripture says about himself, it says he's just. It means that he's equitable, morally upright. It means he's fair in situations. And the psalmist said, that he loves justice. He enjoys it. Says that about himself. He's not a partial God, not a God who shows favoritism. Now, you can look at the world, you can look at your life, you can look at all the situations and feel like there's a lot of injustice taking place. I mean, it just feels like sometimes things are just not fair. And I I look at the world and you can see that injustice is abounding. So one of the ways today that, you know, injustice is, well, let's talk about Bible days. In Bible days, in the Jewish culture, they had bond servants. Again, I told you that was like a, a, a social welfare program. And in, in the Roman culture, they had actual slaves. Slavery doesn't sound just and fair. And yet Paul's telling people, if you're in a place, you need to treat your master with respect and submit to the situation. I mean, that sounds unfair. Slavery in the Roman world wasn't like it was in America, you know, a couple hundred years ago where it was on the basis of race. I thank God we're done with that abomination. But slavery in the Roman world was primarily economic and on the basis of war because the Romans would go in, they would take over people groups and instead of killing people, they just bring them home and make them slaves. And, and this, this was unfair. I mean, that seems terrible that people will be enslaved. And, and yet that was the way the world was. We can look at the world today. It seems like, man, there's people caught up in human trafficking. You know that child pornography is the fastest growing section of porn in the world? And, and that is unjust. 
I mean, that sounds horrible. We can look at the situation in the Ukraine. It seems unjust that a nation would go in and blow up entire city blocks with bombs. That is an injustice in the world. But I do like what the Bible says. That, just, that vengeance is mine and I will recompense. You understand that God is just. And so whether it's in this life or whether it's in the life to come, God's justice is going to prevail. Now, I remember one time when an injustice happened to me. I was working uh, at a hotel in Kansas City. I was the, uh, I'm not ready for the lights to go down yet. You got to wait. I got to tell a story. <laughs> I'll be a little while. Uh, I was in this hotel working and, you know, I was the banquets manager. So they had uh, food that would be left out every now and again. And one time, by the way, if the food's left out, it's yours. <laughs> They're all gone. They had nice meals. They had a cheesecake. A cheesecake. Oh, I love cheesecake. Who wouldn't want a nice? And I got there. It was still cool. You know what I'm saying? A nice piece of cheesecake. I grabbed that plate. I was holding it up. And my friend David walked in. He was the server. And I was about to eat that thing. And this brother came in and karate chopped it out of my hand. And my cheesecake fell all over the floor. Yeah. And I said, David, what did you do? And David said, I'm an angry black man. And you got in my way. And he laughed about it. Ha, 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 ha. I was mad. I, was, I said, David, I'm a man of God. I'm preparing to go into the ministry. I'm anointed. And I said, God is going to get you back for doing that to me. He was like, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. So he came in hobbling to work three days later. I said, David, what happened? He said, you wouldn't believe it, man. I was walking in the back hallway carrying trays of food. I didn't notice the water. And he said, on my way down, I thought, that preacher. <laughs> I told him God's justice has come back to haunt you. Sometimes you get justice in life. Sometimes, though, it seems like life ain't fair, does it? You think that Vladimir Putin is a villain. You think he sounds like this horrible man. You know, he ain't nothing compared to the guy that was before him, whose name was Joseph Stalin. You ever heard of Joseph Stalin? You know who he is? He killed more people than Adolf Hitler. His daughter sour all those years. Did you ever hear about what happened when he died? His daughter Svetlana was at his bedside. Now Svetlana actually ended up escaping. She was smuggled out into India where she became a Christian. They had to smuggle her out because in Russia, you know, if you're the children of, of the former dictator, that's a death sentence when you get out. When, when he's gone, you're gone too. So she said, you know, this is in her memoir, that, you know, he'd had a stroke and he would lay in bed. This is Joseph Stalin. And he'd go in and out of sleep. And every time he'd fall asleep, he'd wake up and he'd say, the wolves are after me. He was writing about wolves everywhere. He was terrified of the wolves that would get him in his sleep. You know what that is, right? That's a bunch of devils. That man was destined and bound for eternity without God. And I'm telling you, some of the hottest places in hell are reserved for people who do heinous crimes like that. And, and my sister told me about this. I had to look it up. She said she felt chills hearing about the wolves waking him up. His, his doctor said everywhere he had in the room was wolves around. I'm telling you, in this life or the life to come, justice is going to get served. God has a recompense. You know, the, the way that his justice operates is the same way it operates in, in the kingdom of heaven. It operates according to the principle of seed, time, and harvest. For every action you do, there's going to be a harvest. A consequence is going to take place. 
In this 25th verse, he said that he who does wrong will be repaid for what he's done. If you have been unloyal, unfaithful, harvest time will come, man. Don't be deceived. God does not mock whatever a man sows. That will he reap. If you sow of the flesh, you'll reap of the flesh. And I have seen this. I've worked with, you know, enough time now. Over the years, I work with guys at church staffs who, it's like, man, they just couldn't unify. They couldn't get together. They were always trying to do their own thing, wouldn't work with people. And I've watched as their, their lives have spiraled out of control. Things have blown up around them. Uh, and and it's, it's because you got what you sowed. Justice gets served. Some men's sin, the Bible says, are evident preceding them. Other, other people's sins are hidden and will come out at certain times. That's what Timothy said. But not you. You want to be faithful. You want to stick with it. And if you do that and sow the right seed, I'm telling you that due season will always come. God is just. He will repay you. He will pay up. And, and oh man, he's so good. You can't outgive him. He'll be faithful with you. He'll be right there to take care of you and pick you up in moments. And I, I think about how he's not impartial. With God, it says in this verse, there's no impartiality. That means he doesn't play favorites with people. He loves people. Sometimes you get this assumption that, uh, you know, if you're a pastor, you're going to somehow have greater rewards in heaven than other people. And as I study what Jesus said in the parable in Matthew 20 about the laborers in the vineyard, I'm telling you, I'm not convinced that's the case at all. If you are faithful with what God has put in your heart and asked you to do, there will be equal rewards. That's his justice. I think about my friend Jeff Urso, man. And Jeff has been ministering here for like 10 years now, which is the longest stint he's ever been serving somewhere. It's been great to have him. He's, he, every week he worked nights all the time and come and, and work out with you stuff. And I'm just amazed by that faithfulness, that level of, I'm after it, man. I'm in it to win it. I'm telling you, that's where rewards exist. Because God is not a, 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 a God of favoritism. He's a God who looks at your heart and determines what's taking place. He determines your reward. The thing about your service to the Lord is that it's going to be tested by fire. The judge, the just man, he's going to examine it. That's in 1 Corinthians. It said some men's work is going to be burned, and everything's going to be tested by fire. And if it's wood, hay, and stubble, it's going to be devoured. But if it's gold and silver, it's going to stand. And when God looks at what's wood, hay, and stubble, or gold and silver, I'm telling you, he looks at the motivations of your heart. He sees what you're doing. He sees not outward appearances. He sees inward appearances. Why are you doing it? And that's what he rewards on. That's why he's just. And we had some, you know, tables out there in the foyer and we'd love to have some help. If, if God has put on your heart to help serve in any capacity, you know, as we're growing, we could use some help in, in all kinds of departments, kids departments, worship teams, sound and media. But it has to be something that's in your heart. It has to be a pure motivating force for God to use it. Otherwise, sometimes you get in trouble. You know, I, I've even been guilty of this, where sometimes I might be doing something even in ministry because I want recognition or want to be seen by people. God sees that. And I, I thank God by his grace. Over the years, I felt like God personally has purified my own motives for why I'm doing what I'm doing. And that's his hand and his mercy and his grace. And if you'll just surrender to him and let him work in your heart, I'm telling you, that is where rewards exist. That is where his justice prevails. That's where the goodness of God will be right there to watch over you. I serve God 
because his justice will prevail. That's why I serve him, his justice. Now, I want to talk to you this morning about, you know, some of the motivations taking place in your own heart. You know, what, what, what things are happening in you? How many of you want eternal rewards? Man, I, I want crowns. I want a body that is going to, you know, grow forever, glorified forever. Um, you know, when I think about uh, the world that we're living in today, it just kind of seems like, um, you know, people worried about, and they're worried about all kinds of stuff. I had to log online to my uh, bank account and I had to go through three security checks to get access. That's because people are worried about power grids going down. They're worried about cyber warfare. And I'm just here to tell you, if the power's off, we're still meeting on Sunday morning. <laughs> we, we'll get candles. We'll do a little acapella. We'll sing. Because I, I want to be here. I'm interested in rewards. I want to be with the Lord. I want to serve him in whatever way we can. I, I want to serve him. Or, or maybe you're out there and you're thinking about his sovereignty. Maybe, maybe you feel like, you know, he, that he's not as sovereign as you think he is. And it has to do with justice. I bet you there's people out there this morning who feel like God has not been just in situations. Like his justice isn't working out for you. It's not prevailing in your life. And, and I don't know, maybe you're out there. You just feel like, man, in this situation, he hadn't been fair, hadn't been just. And it makes it difficult for you to really want to give yourself over to him. But I'm telling you, his sovereignty and his justice is going to play in this life or the life to come. And I want to just pray that over you. I want to pray for your heart to be open. Yeah. It, it, let's kill the lights here. Father, in Jesus' name, I'm praying over the people of God. I thank you, Lord, for your hand of mercy. I pray, Lord, for eyes that can see what the Spirit is saying, hearts that are receptive. And I pray, Lord, for motives even to be revealed to us. Now, I'm reminded of something. I, I, uh, I, there's sometimes people are totally at a lack of being self-reflective and they don't understand what's driving them. And I pray, Lord, I pray for you to reveal maybe hidden things we're unaware of, sins of omission, if you will, that we're not even aware of, things, things that we may not know, our motives. I, I pray, God, that you reveal by the Holy Spirit the motives to our hearts that we would serve you effectively, that it wouldn't be a burden, that it would be enjoyment, that it would be something that we could look, look for rewards for. I'm, I'm, Father, we ask for that. And, and Lord, I, I just thank you for your sovereignty. I pray you reveal yourself as a great redeeming God, Savior of all mankind, the Lord of Lords, the supreme host, and justice. I, I pray that justice will prevail. Now, I want to pray for Kevin over here. He's in a situation where there's been injustice that he feels like is taking place in his family. And I want to just have you reach a hand out. Father, I pray right now every hidden thing is going to be revealed. The situation you're facing, I pray the justice of God, that it's clear that vengeance belongs to him. He's going to do it. We pray in the name of Jesus for that whole thing, everything to be exposed, sin to be knocked out. And I pray, Lord, in his situation, that God, you're, you're working behind the scenes even when we don't know it, can't feel it like the song says today. I pray justice over it and over that family in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Sometimes people go through things that you just don't understand why. And it's very, very painful, but justice will always prevail. It'll always work out. I'm grateful to the Lord for his sovereignty and his, his hand in my life.
You know, I did a little study that since 1989, over 260 convicted prisoners in the United States of America have been set free because DNA tests have established their innocence. And the history of mankind has you know, recorded incidents of people who were wrongly imprisoned by the justice system. In fact, I, I recently read the story of a government official who was murdered by a mob because they suspected that he had a murder victim in his car. When in reality, he was taking the body of his mother-in-law down to the mortuary to be buried. And a mob of people lynched him. This happened overseas. See, the judgment of man is, is flawed. I mean, we, we're people, we judge you by outward appearances. And you know, some people are ugly and you tend to judge them on that. Some people's faces look funny and you think they're clowns. Some people look like criminals. Don't look at me like you don't know what I'm talking about. And you judge them. You think that you think they're guilty of something, but that's not the way God does it. God looks at the heart and he sees the truth. And the truth is that if you confess your sin, he is faithful and just to forgive you of all your sin and cleanse you in righteousness. I'm telling you, he sees, he, he sees hearts. You get people at churches who might get saved. It seems that way on the outward. Maybe that's not really what's taking place in the heart. If you're sincere and you open up your heart to him, that's where he can forgive you. His justice is there. And I wanted to give you a chance to cry out for his mercy and justice. Truth. If sin is grabbing a hold of you, if you need forgiveness because you're separated from God, if you're not walking with him, this would be a moment to get right with him. Every head bowed, every eye closed. If you don't know the Lord, if you feel like, you need his justice working in your heart and life. I want to pray it over you. Put a hand up. His mercy and justice will be there with you in every step, every moment of the way. His justice will prevail. His justice will be at work. Amen and amen. Will you um, stand up with me this morning? Uh, I'm grateful that God looks at hearts. And I'm, I'm sure happy you came out to church this morning with us. I want you to know we value you and bless you. If you want prayer for anything, uh, the altars are open. And I just want to remind you that, you know, we've got um, uh, Next Steps class right after the service today. So it's not too late to join. And if you want to join us for a little meal, get to know us a little more, we'd love to have you. If you've never been through that, it's kind of an introduction to who we are. And if you feel stirred to serve, we've got some tables out there in the foyer to grab people. And if your heart is touched for the people of Ukraine, I just want to remind you uh, that we can put it in the offering box and, and we want to see uh, people be safe. Amen. So a lot of stuff going on this morning. We're grateful for you. It's good to have you out in the house of God. We will catch you all next week in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Love you all very much.